0: Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Now, let's get to the point. Hi and welcome back to To the Point Cybersecurity. I am one of your hosts, Erica Pierce, and joined of course by Eric. How you doing, Eric, this week?
1: I'm doing well, Eric. I think we're going sci-fi here we're so in control.
0: Okay, that's, that's a little bit different, but that'll be fun. <laughs> so this week's guest, we have Martin Stanley, who is the uh, Senior Technical Advisor at Seesaw. Uh, I always have to be careful how I say that, so it's not Seesaw, <laughs> at Department of Homeland Security. How are you doing, Martin?
2: Uh, doing great. How's it going over there?
0: It's going great. We're all still um, under quarantine in our, our uh, personal bunker. So,
1: <laughs> still working from remote home. <laughs>
0: So we're going to switch it up. We've talked the past few weeks a lot about um, just working from home and what that means and um, cybersecurity, network security, all those things. So we're not going to talk about that too much today. We're actually going to talk about AI. So as, as you just said, Eric, let's switch it up and, and do a little sci-fi. So Martin, let's just start first with our listeners who may not be familiar with AI. Um, what is it and um, how is government using it?
2: Sure. So artificial intelligence, I don't think that there's an actual definition that everyone agrees on. And so folks have lots of different kinds of, um, ways of describing AI, but you know what we're talking about generally are systems that are able to learn from data examples, um, generalized from data examples um, that are able to leverage algorithms and to, and to gain knowledge from data is what we're really looking at. And today, The capabilities that we're seeing are what we call narrow ai which means they're very good at a particular purpose you know classifying you know classifying apples versus oranges when it looks at pictures but if you were try to you know then have it determine what you know is a pair it might have problems with that because it hasn't been trained you know outside of that narrow application um artificial general intelligence which is the thing that we see in you know, all the sci-fi movies, you know, it seems pretty far off. It's obviously something that's a game changer when it comes to all kinds of things. Um, but, but, you know, we, we don't anticipate artificial and inge- artificial general intelligence being, you know, here any, anywhere in the near term.
1: And we've had a few people on talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning. George Kane is the force point CTO. We have the CTO of Intel. Um, Steve Oren speaking a couple of uh, weeks ago, a couple of months ago, maybe now. How do, how do you differentiate the two? I, I often hear customers using AI and machine learning very interchangeably, and, and I'm not sure that's appropriate.
2: Right. Again, you know, I think this gets gets down to those definitions. The um, NIST actually released a, I'm looking over here on my other screen here, but the um, taxonomy and terminology of adversarial machine learning, which is an entire um draft that's related to just determining um what those terms are with respect to just that area of artificial intelligence. so we have these you know very different kinds of ways of of you know understanding what these things are and as as a consequence, we do have trouble talking about them as well. I like to back up when we talk about what is artificial intelligence and to to talk a little bit more about the AI related technologies that we don't talk about much when we talk about artificial intelligence but are so necessary in order to fully realize the benefit and potential of AI, such as you know IOT, um, you know th- these are all these devices that we have out there. they're going to have all these kinds of capabilities, different kinds of sensors, 5g, cloud, big data, these these are all areas that are that are you know uh, very interrelated. And your IT modernization approach is going to be critical to how you uh, actually see the benefits of AI.
0: And what are you most excited about in terms of um, when you look to the future? And, and you know, just to your point, there's a, a realm of different things that you know may or may not happen depending on <laughs> I think you know what what happens in the future. But what gets you excited when you think about AI?
2: So, so what I think about when it comes to you know, what's interesting to me about this? Why did I you know shift from working exclusively in cybersecurity to look more at how we bring artificial intelligence in specifically to support our cybersecurity um, uh, programs is that it's so interesting the way that our entire workforce is going to have to transform and how our entire work environment is going to have to transform. You know, Today, we have subject matter experts that work on particular aspects, particular domains of expertise with particular tools. And those work areas are going to have to be completely re-envisioned to to take advantage of all these technologies that means we're gonna to have to bring in you know, folks with different kinds of skill sets um, these are all these areas that we just talked about all of the related technologies but we're also going to have to bring in human machine teaming um ai safety uh as well as you know all other kinds of things you know along those lines related to being able to do data analysis um, Measuring performance of 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 the artificial intelligence systems, all those kinds of things we're going to have to be able to execute on in order to build the most important thing, which is trust. obviously if if the systems are not trusted, you know, if we don't feel good about what they're doing, then we're not going to be able to leverage them to their full benefit.
1: so Martin, one of the things we've talked about here is the the the, the skills gap between Um, the the required jobs today in cybersecurity and the number of people that are available. And I know you've spoken quite a bit in the past about using artificial intelligence and technology to kind of, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but upskill the capabilities without throwing human, human bodies at the problem, if you will.
2: Right. Can you elaborate a little bit there? Absolutely. So, um, Artificial intelligence and cybersecurity have a natural relationship. We've been using narrow AI solutions for cybersecurity for a long time, like spam filtering, things like that. Those are those are generally narrow AI solutions that are in place. And cybersecurity is a big and evolving challenge, obviously. Um, that's one of the main focuses of our agency. At the Cyber and Infrastructure Security Agency, we're focused on being the nation's risk manager and lead for cybersecurity information sharing, among other things. In order to make the biggest impact that we can with the funds that we have, we have to look at all different kinds of ways that we can leverage automation, in particular, you know, technical approaches, whether they become more self-serve or they become faster in our ability to deliver our services. The more that we can get and squeeze out of the appropriated dollars for our agency, the more we can do to help to meet our mission and to protect the nation and our critical infrastructure from adversaries. So this means that looking at all these tools and capabilities and if we can go from doing 30 assessments to doing 3000 assessments because we've been able to automate critical, you know, time consuming areas that are repetitive and leave maybe the exceptions for the subject matter experts it makes the work more interesting for our subject matter experts and it makes our ability to to make an impact that much, uh, that much greater. So, you know, that's probably the biggest promise for automation for us, you know, in two areas, one expanding our capability and also reducing our time to respond, because those are the two dimensions that we have to be focused on. How do we, how do we support all of our stakeholders and how do we meet an adversary that has increasing capability and ability to move quicker, um, you know, with, with, with each advancement.
1: Let's talk about the adversary for a second. Do you, uh, in your experience, do you find the adversary is using artificial intelligence against us as much as we're trying to use it to defend ourselves?
2: So, the the answer to, the, to to that question, I think, is 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 somewhat complex and you know maybe maybe you know unknown. So we do we do understand the way that that these tools can be used against us. Um, you know, in particular, I think things that we are concerned about are deep fakes, you know, the ability to customize malware so that then it eludes the, um, the malware detection systems. So these are the kinds of capabilities that we, I, I, I think we're, we're worried about as threats today. But the way that we think about it is a little more comprehensive. So in the context of your question, let me, let me back up and say we look at emerging technologies Things like artificial technology, uh, artificial intelligence technology, from three perspectives. Um, the first one is something that we've just been talking about, which is how can we enable our mission and how can we, um, you know, better make use of that of, of of that appropriated dollar to have an impact across our stakeholders. So I won't get you know I won't I won't beat that one to death. But the second area is one that we really haven't talked about, which I think is very closely related to the question that you've asked Eric which is how our stakeholders are going to be using these technologies and what kind of change to the attack surface do we now have so when when we talk about threats that's that's based on a certain set of capabilities but all the all the while that the threats are evolving our stakeholders are evolving their infrastructure and they're adopting these technologies so that means that now we have to think about well, when a stakeholder deploys an artificial intelligence system, what kind of new ways can that be attacked, and what different kinds of ways could that you know system potentially be mal, you know malpurposed or you know interfered mm-hmm. with in such a way that could impact our stakeholders in ways that we don't imagine, right? These are these you know unknown kinds of uh, you know impacts that the you know the unknown unknowns as as, as they're called or this case maybe they'd be well like if that. an
1: adversary if if an adversary knows we're using artificial intelligence in a certain area, they might poison the uh the model, if you will, by attacking in a non non uh logical approach because they know that there's some kind of model running to throw the data off, right?
2: Good. Exactly. That's exactly the kind of thing that that we have to now be prepared. So when when we're looking at the threats it's not really, we don't have, we don't have a fixed attack surface. We have an evolving attack surface. And so, the, constantly, and, yeah. and, and that's including these technologies. So we have to be prepared as we move forward, as we're looking at this holistically to, at this third area with how our threats evolving, how our adversary is going to be using um, these capabilities, but it's not in isolation to how, things are evolving in the, the, um, the target networks or the, you know, the, the stakeholders that we're supporting because as they deploy these new capabilities um, they may or may not know that they're introducing additional vulnerabilities or, or, you know, additional attack surface. And so it's, uh, you know, coming upon us to do our best to make sure to you know, stay up with that and to, and to make them aware of, you know, what are the risks and what are the ways to mitigate those risks?
1: Eric, are you following
0: that? I am. My question was going to be, and, and, and to to the degree that you can say, I mean, how good of a job are we are we doing in terms of keeping up with this, <laughs> you know, again, the evolving technology and the new risk that it brings to us, for especially as we do see the, the threat um, surface, it's expanding, right?
2: Right, it is. And I, and I think, you know, I think we have the concerns that, you know, and these aren't really areas that, that I'm an expert in, so I probably won't go too far into them other than to say, that, you know, they're the things that we see all the time, right? There's the, you know, disinformation, you know, misinformation campaigns. These are, you know, the election security things. These are, mm-hmm. you know, all of those, all of those areas that we are, you know, worried about are, 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 are square in this new technology, you know, being used in ways that we might not necessarily understand. And, you know, how are, how, how do we best respond to those? And those are the kinds of areas that we want to focus on, um, you know, providing, solutions
1: how's the reception from your stakeholders right so we're talking you know the civilian agencies in most cases probably commercial industry but yeah you know what's what's the reception from them when you when you talk to them or you are talking about what's coming or how they need to change
2: so the i think the federal government is actually doing an incredibly good and comprehensive job in the artificial intelligence lane um, You know, we've we've I think we've talked about some of the things that we've been involved in, but you know, there was an executive order for artificial intelligence. There's a National Security Commission for artificial intelligence, which is um, they've issued their interim report and they are doing uh, uh, I think quarterly recommendations to Congress, um, you know, based on the work that they're doing. This is chaired by Eric Schmidt and Bob work, you know, two very, you know, high level luminaries in, in, in the artificial intelligence, um, space. So there's a lot that's going on at the, you know, high, high level, you know, policy area. But then also when you look at the work that the federal CIO is doing to establish, um, a federal data strategy, which is critical 80% of some artificial intelligence implementation efforts are, you know, related to Mm -hmm. data that, you know, and, and dealing with data. So that's happening at the federal level, the federal CIO, um, you know, is working on that. And then D has updated their artificial intelligence R and D, um, roadmap for, I think it was for 2020 or 2019. They, they just released an update. So there's a lot going on. DHS is involved in all these activities. There's so much that's happening. I just want to, you know, really go back and, and emphasize that, you know, putting a lot of money and putting a lot of focus on AI without focusing on some of these other related technologies is, you know, not as effective. We won't have an, as effective a solution as if we have, you know, a, a full IT modernization effort.
1: Bringing it all together,
2: essentially. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Now, I was doing some research over the weekend thinking about, you know, what I wanted to ask you and I had no idea according to Wikipedia, which isn't necessarily the most reputable <laughs> place, but artificial intelligence was founded in 1955, right? It's been around a while. Wow Erica, I'm not a mathematician here, but I think that's 65 <laughs> uh, 65 years, right?
0: That's a, that's a longer than I would have thought But it, it
1: was before really compute power existed mm. and a lot of the components Martin, that you say are required to bring it all together, so it's well, go, it's, it's interesting that the discipline's been around. So,
2: and, long. and going back to you know those days, I think a lot of what was conceived or envisioned, you know, has still not yet come to pass from a technical capability perspective. So that's pretty interesting as well.
0: So, Martin, do you watch Black Mirror? That's my other
2: <laughs> question. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched Black Mirror, but I've watched a lot of things like that. Okay. I don't have to add it to my okay. list. I've I've got I've got a whole list. Well, while watch. you're
0: uh, quarantined, it's it's a it's a good thing for a, a tech person to watch in terms of what AI may look like in the in the future. Do you watch it, Eric?
1: I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't have the time. I when I think about it, I think of simple things like C three PO R two D two, where where robots actually understand to some level what you're talking about. They're smarter than you. They're faster than mm-hmm. humans. They aid the humans. I mean, that's, that's my, at my age, I guess that's my, uh, that's my mindset, if you will, into the art of the
2: possible. Well, look at how complex, um, just the, the autonomous vehicle thing has turned into, you know, we thought that by Another now great example, we, would have, yeah. we would have vehicles that were, you know, driving us around with no problem. And it's a very hard, um, you know, it's a very hard problem.
1: It's interesting when you look at the vehicles and we'll pick on Tesla because I I think they're one of the best out there. You know, the studies I've seen have said, you know, we still don't have level five autonomous driving vehicles, of course, right? That doesn't exist yet. But when the, when the, uh, the driving system is engaged, even though we've had some mistakes, it's still an an order, a couple orders of magnitude more precise and better than a human driver. Until it's
2: not. And until it's yeah. not right, and then you have a mistake, and boom, mm-hmm. you crashed.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? That's a that's a problem. But but when it's working, it's so much faster, so much better than the human driver. It just doesn't work all the time. And and as I as I think through the problem set, it's like, okay, what we need to do is expand the the aperture, expand the capability of the of the environment, if you will, so that the artificial intelligence or capability we have. In the art, auto, autonomous driving is back.
2: I think. I think though. Doesn't. I think though, what works best, and this is, um, you know, based on, you know, studies that have been done, that who pour, who performs better, the human or the machine, right? To, you know, really determine Depends, is, is right? determined is determined by you know whatever <laughs> what you know what that particular case happens to be, as we just talked about, but. Um, what performs better in every case is a human machine team. And so that's, I think where mm-hmm. we really need to start to think about, it was, it was interesting short aside, I read that, you know, uh, the autonomous driving, um, vehicles were ranked, I think by consumer reports. I'm not sure if it was consumer reports, but it was something like that. And Volvo came in last for autonomous driving and they interviewed the, uh, you know, one of the spokespeople for Volvo. and. The the guy was like, look, we don't think autonomous vehicles are safe, so our systems are not designed to be autonomous, which is probably why we ranked last, and we're okay with that.
1: They come from a culture of ultra safety, right? They they invented the seatbelt yeah. and then they they open sourced it, they gave it to everybody to make the world a safer place. That's their mindset. I get it.
2: And what I heard him saying when he said that was, we're trying to build a you know human machine team that will be the safest thing on the road. And that's our approach to this. And so th- those are the kinds of, those are the kinds of things where I think we need a lot of, a lot, lot of focus. And I think to your question, you're related to some of the questions that you'd sent, you know, prior, um, you know, to understand how good these, these algorithms are, um, a best practice is to identify a human performance measure. So, we need to have a measure to determine if the machine, if the AI is performing better than a human is. Um, And and if we don't have that, then we don't necessarily know how well the, the, the system is performing. And that creates uncertainty, which leads to lack of trust in the system. So, you know, as you think about this, you know, I encourage you to kind of go through that and 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 say, okay, well, how would we measure? Because some of these things, it's hard to measure human performance, but those are the ones that are easiest to automate. Because then you you know how well it's working. People who are familiar with the process can see it, and they feel good about what's going on, as opposed to having something happen behind a curtain. You know, pumping out a bunch of widgets, and it all seems good until it's not. Right. You get that crash, mm-hmm.
1: not in a car, but in something else. No, I get it. I, I, I do love the human machine teaming angle. Erica, your your millennial friends, your Gen Z, <laughs> how do you think they'll handle that?
0: Well, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think we believe that we can fully rely on on technology. But I think, you know, what we've heard here today is just that, that there still has to be, at least at this point, some human element to um, to even how we look at AI or machine learning, so I, I like I like the term human machine team.
1: <laughs> I actually think millennials will be more apt to to adopt it because they're, they're so much you, more used to it, tech in their world. I, I get mm-hmm. a lot of pushback from customers. You know, ah, machine, I've never seen artificial intelligence in the real world. I've never seen machine learning work well. You know, th- there's this belief, old school belief, that the humans can do. It all, or can mm-hmm. do it better, but but there's there's not necessarily in cyber, an acceptance that maybe driving too would be similar. <laughs> there isn't an acceptance that machines are very good at certain activities, like calling through tremendous amounts of data, and searching on patterns or looking for patterns. Right. Like people right. just aren't wired that way. Most people, I should say,
0: oh, just aren't wired that way. Bring more efficiencies as well, right? So. We shall see, only so time one, will tell. Martin, one think? of the things
2: that we did at sisa was to step back, uh, this is about a year ago, and do an analysis on what would be our criteria that we would put in place for determining whether or not we would automate something or not. And we wanted to make it really simple. We wanted to make it something that a, a program manager, somebody who's not necessarily um, you know, well versed in artificial intelligence, but had a you know critical function. Some some guidelines that they could use to determine you know what what would be a good task to automate and what would be a task to automate you know with great care. And you know that was where we got to identifying some of these best practices, things like this metric that we just talked about, you know, a human performance metric. But the things that we that we laid it that that, that we really focused in on were. You want to focus on automating high impact, low regret, low complexity decisions. So, you know, unpacking that a little bit, you want to get the most bang for your buck. If it goes badly, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to really regret it, you know, too much.
1: Low low consequence, right? right? You don't want to crash the car and kill the occupants of the exactly, vehicle.
2: and then or or somebody on the street. Correct, and then and then back to this low complexity. Um, you. Know, that's that's really a, another way of saying something that's understandable. There's not a lot of uncertainty around that that particular um, that that particular uh, um, process. So that when folks are trying to you know determine how good they feel about the machine doing it, they can pretty much tell what's happening. And so and so those are the things that you you know you want to start off with as you're choosing um, places to pilot artificial intelligence in your environment. So that you can build a good, um, you know, a, a good working knowledge of it. You can you can gain a lot of trust with the system and you can understand, you know, when things go wrong, um, you know, what it was and 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 not have a big mess on your hands.
1: So, so let's go back to, let's go back to like the C3PO example I brought up. I mean, incredibly intelligent, always precise in its data. And, and, and you know, you knew the limitations of C3PO though, right? Mm-hmm. But what a human, human machine team. I mean, I know it's a very basic sci-fi example but but almost using him to provide the data that the human just doesn't have in their head or or can't do calculations that quickly low consequence though if you don't know the answer correct Mm -hmm. erica where do we go with this i mean where do we go in a, a decade two decades from now we're 55 years in what do you think
0: that's why I'm telling you guys to watch black mirror because that's what
1: <laughs> I feel so old. I feel like the Jetsons, you know, I just want to like make things happen. I'll,
0: I'll
1: check but out black that's mirror. the type
0: of things that they, they cover is, you know, what everything just from um, the way we, you know, the way we work, there's a lot of episodes on actually security issues, things like that, but really taken from a, um, an AI, um, machine learning perspective. I mean, they go about 20, 30 years into the future in most episodes. So check it out.
1: I will commit to you and the audience that I
2: will (laughs) do it.
0: There'll be a a quiz. (laughs) Martin, what's
2: next for us with AI? Where, where are we going? So, so I think, um, as we talked about, um, Gardner identifies a, you know, they, they, they've they actually produced a lot of really good research on artificial intelligence, a prepare phase, which is where most organizations are. And a lot of what I've talked about today are things that are that are in this um, prepare phase. It means you're preparing your data um, so that you can use it, you know, appropriately. Right. Um, you're identifying criteria for determining which functions should be automated, as we just talked about. You're identifying pilot use cases. And so at CISA, what we've done is built this enterprise-wide conceptual data model. Um, it's something that we use to identify all our data, how it interrelates, um, ensure that authorized use is maintained. And I really want to score that. Authorized use is 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 you know front and center in our minds. That's easy, easily accessible and it's prepared for AI tasks, you know, things such such as labeling that you're going to need to do in order to use the data. Um, we talked about identifying criteria um, when you're automating. And then our cybersecurity use cases that we piloted are security orchestration, automated response, incident triage, and um, security analytics, like for the CDM program, so that we can you know, rapidly mm-hmm. analyze the data that we have and, and do something you know, useful with it. Um, and one of our pilots, which I'm involved in now is we, you know, we talked about, I think, you know, is enough being done, is a lot being done. Well, there's a lot being done in the government and the, the um, DOD's Joint Artificial Intelligence Center has been, Jake. They, they've been yep. creating a lot of you know, different kinds of capabilities. We're piloting one of their capabilities. It's a humanitarian assistance and disaster relief um, function. It's a, a imagery analysis that's being looked at as a determination um, whether or not it would make sense for us to use it for our response function under the emergency support function 14. This is cross-sector coordination. This is a part of the FEMA support for determining um, supply chain. So, you know, imagery analysis of, you know, U.S. cities and determining whether or not you know, which is normally done for disasters, right? To determine like how far floods gone in, or you know that kind of thing. Can we also use that imagery analysis to determine impacts to supply chains, so that we get advanced knowledge or real time knowledge of how supply chains could be impacted in this cross, sec- cross um, sector support function? Yeah, um, in in you know under under FEMA. So you know, there's a lot of things like that 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 we're looking at that you know, hopefully we'll, we'll show some, some, uh, some, some big benefits.
1: Sounds good. Let's go uh, as quickly as we can. I think we need it. I mean, like just now with COVID-19 and everything, I mean, it's, it's a time where we need help. Mm -hmm. We need faster capabilities. So that, that sounds
2: Yeah, certainly uh, we're, 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 you know, just go to a grocery store. We're, 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 we're seeing all the supply chain issues. I think that maybe folks had, you we were, uh, we were talking earlier about, you know, growing up in the 80s. I grew up in the 80s and we certainly didn't have all these things on the shelves that we have today. And we've come to, you know, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, expect and enjoy them to be there. And now when they're not there, it's surprising. Now we did have toilet paper. Though. We did. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you, Martin, for joining us. I think this has been definitely a a fascinating conversation and it will be interesting to see what the future
2: brings for sure. Happy to do it. Another 55 years. (laughs) Happy to do it and stay uh, safe and well. You too.
0: Absolutely. And, And thanks to all of our listeners out there. Please continue to join us every week for To The Point Cybersecurity. Please subscribe and also share with a friend or colleague. We'll be back here next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.